Hey, this is your Olympic hero, Kurt Angle, and I don't suck, and neither does the Pipples podcast, but anyone who plays the Riders, they suck. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. Let's go, Rider Nation. I'm ready. I'm ready. Welcome to the Piffles Podcast, your Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan podcast. Thanks for joining us here for episode 237A, uh, because there's also going to be an episode 237B also out this week, uh, a special interview we have with CFL Commissioner Randy Ambrosi. Hopefully you get a chance to uh, to check that out. Gave us a lot of good stuff, um, but we figured that was just way too much to cram into one show. So um, make sure you check out that. Interview with CFL Commissioner Randy Ambrosi as well. Um, episode 237, of course. My name is Alex. And I am pro-pumpkin spice. And you... I am, I, I, you, sir, I am insulted. You stood by your principles for how long? You slandered Alex and I for how long? And then just flaunted it away. Flaunted it. Be be careful about slander, Steve. Be very careful about slander. Um, <laughs> I will and, call my lawyer, sir. And I was I was very upset that you posted that, Steve. For one, I'm proud of you because pumpkin spice season is every season, okay? Pumpkin spice is amazing. And I know you. I saw that picture of you and your family uh, getting your pumpkin spice fraps or lattes or whatever it was. Um, thank you for finally just embracing it and enjoying it because that's what it should be pumpkin spice is all about enjoying it and I'm, I'm glad that you're coming to your senses and doing it earlier this year it hurt but i i took one for the team happy wife happy life right uh, uh, next give... is going to be the chris Trevler appreciation that uh, might take no, years that, that's never happening no that hate and is so deeply ingrained week, we've got chris Trevler. i'm <laughs> um, having internet um, troubles yeah, Darn. uh, Piffles Podcast brought to you uh, by our great friends at Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina, which you can get your pumpkin spice blizzard now. So make sure you go pumpkin there, pie. hit them up, and get pumpkin that pumpkin pie. pumpkin pie. It's pumpkin, okay? It's fantastic, it's delicious. Um, you can give us a follow on X at uh, <laughs> Piffles Pod. I'm, I'm at Real Alex D, I'm at Safamod. And as always, I do not need nor want your pity follows on X at Greg on Sports or I, you know I actually figured it out. Guys. Yeah, X. I figured it out. X. Why? Why go with X? Well, because Elon Musk, like us, grew up wrestling fans, love Degeneration X. We're all a bunch of de de degenerates, so I figure that's got to be why he calls it X now, right? Something like that. Can I? Can I have his money? Does that mean I can have his money? Um, I mean, he's from Regina, so there's at least that local tie. We'll work on it. We'll work on it. Um, not a lot of rider stuff to get to, but still some stuff we want to talk about riders-wise and CFL-wise. Let's get things started here. Time for the opening kickoff. All right, sticking with the riders to start things off, which we always do here in the opening kickoff. Um, 
The Riders making a roster move, signing a global kicker, Ryan Meskel. Um, I don't really know why they're going after another kicker. Um, makes me wonder if there's an injury somewhere. Not to Brett Lothar, but to maybe somebody else on the roster. This is also the time, though, where the roster expands. So maybe they did have a spot, and then come next week, as NFL cuts come, he might have already been on their radar. I got to admit, though, that picture they posted of him is the most awkward-looking kick I've ever seen in my life. It looked like he was falling over. There had to be a better picture to use. I mean, looking like, at his career, on. looking at his career college record or his last season in the college, that might have been his best-looking kick. He didn't exactly light off the page or fly off the page as a uh, statistical success. It has to be an injury thing, and a you know maybe we'll prepare just in case something happens down the line. Because they had nobody else. They tried a few other guys as that backup kicker in case something happens. And it hasn't gone well. So maybe trying someone who wasn't great in college. Maybe he'll get better as a pro. Who knows? I wonder I wonder if it's just uh, filling out that roster uh, spot for a global. I don't know if uh, linebacker Lucas Roas is, is hurt or something like that. Uh, and they just had to get a, a global player on the PR. Maybe that was it. I'm not sure. Um but that's the only thing I can really think of. Otherwise, it, it just makes no sense to me. That's all. He is a um, warrior. Though. That's right. From Hawaii. Um, I want to talk about a couple of things. Uh, first one, I want to give absolute kudos to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders for their commercial that they put out on social media uh, late last week about watermelons selling labor day tickets against the bombers and to have craig reynolds and rob vanstone and a whole bunch of the employees and a couple players including micah johnson uh with all these watermelons check them out uh, all of the riders social streams if you haven't seen this already it's absolutely phenomenal the riders social media team has been fantastic coming up with ideas um and doing stuff like this I'd like to see this more often, not just for Labor Day. Um, I'd like to see something like this for every single game because it was just, it was so perfect. Smashing watermelons, which we saw, it was, the basis of it was Matt Dunnigan and Milt Stiegel uh, during that one game. Uh, the watermelon smash game, I think it was the, uh, the BC game in BC, the riders there, um, smashing watermelons against the wall. And to play that off with uh, Craig Reynolds watching it, calling them jerks. Just it was brilliant, and kudos to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders for being innovative and having fun with it and owning it and and bringing out a great ninety second commercial for this. I got to give Craig Reynolds his due. Never in a million years did I expect him to have. I don't even call it acting chops, but he's very good at playing that straight man, where he he's not the butt of the joke, but the joke is about him, and he's very good at doing it. He did that earlier. In the season when they did that uh, um, dad's night out um, uh, uh, commercial as well. He's very good at doing it. And I, I understand that Craig's a busy man and he can't do that for every game or every theme. But the the way they're hitting these commercials is is a lot of fun. I, I want to give props to Rob Vanstone. You know, we saw him in the first one. He was an absolute, he lit it up with the, uh, the, the chip off the, off the shoulder after the bag of chips gets kicked on him. 
this week all he had to do was look at the camera with that face and just didn't have to say a word. And it was probably between that and the smashing the watermelon on the on the weight bar were two of the funniest things I've seen in a while. Awesome video. We've hounded the team for years for their lack of any kind of social media presence outside of your typical scores and interviews. This is their fun. This scores? is what they need to be. Yeah. <laughs> this is what they need to be doing. And they said? need to be doing it regularly. Score? Yeah. Like it's it props to them. You can't you can't give them any crap for it right now. They're they're knocking these out of the park. Just want to see more of them. Like I said, like, I'd like to see this every week. The one thing I, I will, I, I'm not going to nitpick too much about this. I want to see them just absolutely, or just like show Craig Reynolds' name in there somewhere. Uh, whether it's on his office door, Craig Reynolds, president and CEO, or just a little you know graphic come up on the screen, Craig Reynolds, president and CEO. I'd like to see that because I still see a lot of fans wondering who that guy is. Um, a lot of casual fans. We know who he is by looking at him, but a lot of casual fans don't. So I'd like to see just that added on, but otherwise absolutely brilliant. And Saskatchewan Rough Riders, let's see more of that because that was that was excellent. Um, with no game to talk about from this past week for the Riders, obviously on the bye week before Labor Day. Um, there is talk, though, about a potential home playoff game. Fans are excited after that win. Steve, you're rolling your eyes. Um, <laughs> What's happened to me? I was the eternal optimist. Oh, boy. You're hanging out with me too much. Um, you, 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 you either die as the hero or live long enough to be the villain, Steve. Yeah, that that's right. Batman 101. Um, so the Riders sitting at 5-5. Five and five. Um, BC sitting at 7-4. and four. So the Riders only one game back in the loss column. Um, they still play each other one more time this year. So I think if, if a home playoff game is in reach, that game's an absolute must win for the Riders. My question is to you guys, is this really a possibility? Could they actually be hosting the West Semi? Looking at the schedule for both teams, and that's the weird thing about this year, every game, no matter who you're playing, seems to be a coin flip this year. Like, Ottawa's look good in bunches. Edmonton looks like they're turning it around. Calgary just put up a ton of points on supposedly the best team in the league right now in Toronto. Winnipeg has looked beatable. This league is legit in any given week league. You don't know. I honestly, in my heart of hearts, think the Riders are going to split the uh, series with Winnipeg. But, and then they go into Edmonton, or they play Edmonton at home. Edmonton's looking good right now. Then Ottawa, who knows? That game against BC is going to be really important. Hamilton, they just won this week again. I don't know what to tell you. This it, it is it is a home playoff game within reach. Yes, will it happen? I don't know. I just know the Riders are probably making the playoffs. You know, it's it's funny when you look at it. When I as soon as you mentioned the home playoff game, I you're right. I rolled my eyes. We're we're two games back. We're an okay at best five and five football team, but all of a sudden, one win against BC, and everything changes. BC losing to Hamilton? No. But then I looked at the schedule. And it's it's not that bad. If we take these two games against Winnipeg, which long shot we all know it, 
Why not a Western final? Why, why stop at the, the West semi? We could host the number one spot. That's about as realistic to me. I'm not, I don't see it happening. I just, I can't. I, think... I love that I, I think whatever it was in my settings that allows me to hear the audio that you're putting out because that's perfect. <laughs> well, I Greg, Greg, it, but I don't see it as a realistic possibility. Well, Greg went through the uh, the rider schedule versus Winnipeg at Winnipeg versus Edmonton at Ottawa at BC, which would be the big one versus Hamilton at Calgary versus Toronto, who will probably have first place locked up by then. And then the final week of the year is a bye week for the riders. Not a horrible schedule by any means, but it's not like BC has a hard schedule either. Okay, this week at Montreal, that cross-Canada trip always seems to be not too pretty for, for BC. But then they have the bye week. Then Ottawa at Edmonton against the Riders. Home to Winnipeg at Hamilton versus Calgary. And then final week of the year, they have a bye week as well. So it doesn't look bad for the BC Lions. Would I love to see a home playoff game? Absolutely, I would. I think that would be a lot of fun, especially against BC. Um do I think it happens? No. Um, I just think there's, I think BC is too good of a team to, I don't want to say fall that far because it wouldn't be a big drop, but I just think they're better than that, uh, than to let that happen. So, but this is the CFL. Everything's week to week. Um, crazy things have happened in this league. And I mean, if the riders can get some help from a team like Ottawa or Edmonton, who knows? So just saw a lot of people talking about it this week, and I don't know if it's too early to think about that, but like Greg said, the Riders are making the playoffs, and it's very, very likely going to happen in the West, which is the way you want to go. Um, I, just, I just don't think they'll have the, the first game at home. That's all. Um, kind of Rider news in terms of NFL cuts coming out right now. Um, Dakota Shepley, offensive lineman, was released, uh, or sorry, put on waivers. Um, is there a chance that we see him in, in Saskatchewan again? Any chance at None. all? No, Steve? No? None. No. I, I don't think it's because he wouldn't want to come back here, but I'm looking at it from a player's perspective. This late in the year, he's going to be looking at 50 to 75 grand to, to trek up north, put his body on the line for eight, nine, ten games, when he could just wait out the year, see if he sticks around in the NFL, get get a, another practice roster spot, get on a roster, because that CFL contract will be there in January. The fifty to seventy-five grand he's losing out on is a much smaller risk than the wear and tear on his body and a potential serious injury when he doesn't need to showcase his talent to get another look down south. I I just don't see it. Worst case, the best case scenario, I think you see him back up at the CFL in 2024. I hope I'm wrong because he would instantly turn our team into a contender without the asterisk. But I just don't, I don't see where it makes sense for him. I would love to see him back this year, but it's just Steve's not wrong. It's it's very hard. For a guy like that to 
I'm not going to say I want it. a shirt. No, I, I want I, a shirt. I noticed how you worded that. I noticed how you worded that. Can we get hey, a he's not I, wrong shirt? I, I'll live with that. <laughs> but it's true. Like the guys that have NFL experience, even on the practice roster, are going to hang on by their fingertips until they know there's no, no opportunity they're getting signed. What I love, like what I love to see him here, would it definitely help us in a playoff run? Oh, hell yeah. But like you said, 2024 is probably the best bet. Well, he's what one full year in the NFL away from a pension from an NFL pension. So you bet, especially at his age, he's going to be holding on to that as long as possible. Because even in three years, the CFL is still going to be there for him. Um, I think the riders have a better chance of getting Brett Jones um, than Dakota Shepley. Brett Jones, of course, staying in Regina, uh, joining the U of R Rams staff. Um, again, I don't see that happening, but better chance of it happening than Dakota Shepley. Whatever happened to medical school? Remember when he fell down the draft board because a bunch of the scouts thought he was going to medical school? And that just never happened and Calgary got him very very late that draft smart play by him I guess oh yeah totally I don't know well with with NFL cuts coming though uh, uh, CFL practice rosters expand uh, we'll see some guys come in how much time they'll get in with the actual team on on game day I don't think a lot usually we see you know guy or two at the end of the year like in the final game or two get in um, usually not enough to make a big impact. Um, but we'll see. I, I mean, if I'm Jeremy O'Day, I'm on the call with, uh, I'm on the phone with Dakota Shepley and his agents for sure saying, Hey, by the way, if you don't want to wait around for an NFL team, I have a contract drawn up for you. He'd be stupid not to. Um, the, the riders don't have his rights anymore. I think those expired. Um, yeah. So, he, if he does come back to the CFL, Shapley, he doesn't have any obligations to come to the Riders. I, I would hope he would. Um, that would be just a, a huge move for O'Day and the team going forward. But I just, I can't see it happening. Some we'll somebody see on Twitter, somebody on Twitter posted this as a as That's, a response to me saying it wasn't happening. Sorry, okay. um, posted it. As, <laughs> damn, Mike in the middle. Um, they said, what would the amount be that would make sense for Shepley? And from the writer's perspective, how much is too much to get him to come up north? And he said, throw 150 grand at him for the last eight games. My, my part to that was how quickly are you changing the offensive line salary cap by signing a guy to an effective, what is effectively a $300,000 deal for half a season? Is that something the riders would should do or look at if that's the number it takes to get him up here? You have nearly half a million dollars in savings from Trevor Harris right now. I know he's trying to come back for October, whether that happens or not. I don't know, but any money that you would have possibly saved on Trevor Harris missing X amount of games, you throw that way to Shepley as a bonus and say this partly covers part of your salary next year uh, as well. So you give him a huge signing bonus. If that ends up being 
150, 250K for eight games, so be it. Who cares? And then say, well, that's part of your salary for next year. Next year, hopefully you get them to what? A respectable 170, 180K, 200. I don't know what the number is for O-linemen anymore, but if you can keep them somewhere around there, I mean, you do it because this guy is – last time we saw him here in the CFL, the Riders had a great O-line. And there's no surprise that once he left and the exit has happened from the Riders O-line that there started being problems with the team uh, on offense. So, I mean, I think think you throw the money at him. Do you think that creates a problem next year when guys are looking to sign in free agency and you say, well, you gave, you gave Shepley what amounts to a three or $400,000 deal pay up. Do you think a move like that affects the, the top end market? Like we saw, we saw such a huge jump in the receiver market based on one player in Eugene Lewis. Do we see that with one guy on the offensive line in a situation like that or do people do players look at that and go yeah it was half a season the riders had cap space per, one of those perfect storm situations never going to happen again well the players won't see it that way but they're also not going to get paid that huge amount of money they're not going to get 300k a year so whether they want it or not they're not going to get it so look at look at running backs in the nfl they're having their holdouts and they want all this money, and they're not going to get it. It's supply and demand, right? Um, here, obviously, it's a little bit different just because supply and demand of Canadian offensive linemen, good ones, you pay them. But I think with salary caps, teams are willing to go with a younger offensive lineman and put them into the lineup now, right after drafting them, than they are to develop and wait for year three. So if you can have a couple guys on rookie contracts, yeah, absolutely. You give the guy as much as he wants. And going into next year, I think both Johnson and Ferlin are up. So I I know which one I'm keeping. So I, I don't think it's Was it too much of a stretch. Husky? It's not the performer Husky. Uh, I, I think you're looking at, if you can bring in a Shepley, and keeping the younger guy, I think you're probably doing that as opposed to the former Husky. Well, there's the opening kickoff presented by Kathy Festion of Royal LePage Regina Realty. We'll talk more riders coming up when we look at the Banjo Bowl, or sorry, with the Labor Day game first, um, and then the Banjo Bowl. Uh, but let's jump to our Churchill Brewing Company odds and end zones here, a look around the CFL. Um, Okay, well, I asked, is there a chance about Dakota Shepley? Nathan Rourke, released by the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, full disclosure, we'll probably know where he is uh, by the time this episode comes out. We're recording this on Monday night. So as of right now, he's just waived. Um, I'm assuming he's probably going to clear waivers and sign with Jacksonville. But let's say he gets fully, nobody signs him. Is there a chance we could see him back? Not in Saskatchewan, but back in the CFL? I don't think so. I would I would love it just for I- I'm turning into Justin Dunk getting excited by Canadian quarterbacks, I guess. I don't know. Uh, free Trey Ford, gimme give me give me the Rourke's Rourke for Rourke. Um but 
I don't see it happening. He's going to exhaust every opportunity to play in the NFL. After some, what team's he, gonna, some team's going to put him on a practice roster. After what he did in the preseason, he he had a very similar ex- exposure situation that my friend uh, Chris Strebler had. Friend? Uh, a few- <laughs> friend. <laughs> hey, if I could like Pumpkin Spike. No, we're never going to like Chris Strebler. But- <laughs> I, th- I thought we had a Strevelation here, guys. Not I'm a really chance. Good. No. The Strevolution. No. Strevolution will be televised. But- he had such a big nationwide or international exposure based on that play versus the Cowboys. And if you look at his progression game by game, he was successful every game he played. There was, he scored a touchdown in game one. I think it was two in game two. And uh, the last game he had one drive and scored it and threw for a touchdown before the, the game was canceled. He he's done enough that there's no way he doesn't, get that third roster spot somewhere or at worst a practice roster spot much like Shepley I don't see any situation where Nathan Rourke is back up north this year I don't think he's back up north anytime soon I think we're looking at an aging veteran by the time he uh, comes back up north yeah I think there's a better chance of seeing his brother here starting games before we see Nathan Rourke starting games He's too um, tall. Curtis is too tall for the CFO. Um, well, sticking with the Canadian quarterback thing, we got to talk about Trey Ford and the Elks. Um, I guess I'm in. I'm the one that's in trouble for the Elks winning as I wear their indig- Indigenous logo shirt, which is just a fantastic logo, which we've talked about on the show before. Um, Steve, you said they're going to win four straight, and I hope that's the case because that would mean they beat Calgary in Labor Day and the Labor Day rematch back to back. Like Bon Jovi, we're halfway there. Um, Careful, that got us in trouble last time. Yeah, that, <laughs> that got me in a lot of trouble. Um, is it two? This is a two and nine team, but all of a sudden people are talking about them crossing over. They still are three games behind that. But is it time to take them seriously and maybe possibly think of them as a playoff contender? Like Absolutely. I alluded to earlier, like I alluded to earlier, really? every every game right now is a fist fight. It doesn't matter who's playing. Well, except for when the Riders go to Montreal, but that's beside the point. Every <laughs> game doesn't matter who's playing each other. It's been almost a coin flip this year because the league is, I don't say reaching parity, and there's some really Obviously, you got Toronto and the Winnipegs with the way better records, and you got Edmonton and Ottawa and Hamilton trailing behind, but it's not like they're getting blown out every game. They're actually in most of the games. It's been a really hard year to figure out. If last week taught us anything, it is that anybody can beat anybody at this point in the season because I don't think there's a single human being who legitimately thought Hamilton would go into BC and win that football game. Especially the way they did. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, that was that was as good a, a football team as I think we've seen all year. But with Edmonton, they're, they're turning it on at the right spot, but they, they had the makings of a good football team before then. Everybody and their dog could see that the problem was behind center in Taylor Cornelius. I mean, he was just awful from the get-go and somehow getting worse week by week. There were like, we were calling for Trey Ford week two, week three. Well, we weren't. We were hoping 
Cornelia stayed in all season, but you know, if they can go back to back in Calgary, there's no reason why they can't suddenly sit in, sit in or look at a legitimate shot at a playoff spot. Cause at, you know, four and nine, there's a chance. I just can't believe we're talking about a two and nine team possibly making the playoffs. I mean, that's such a CFL thing. <laughs> now there's, the I, question. I, I, is that a good thing for the CFL for a two, for a team that started Oh, and nine to make the playoffs? as great it, a story as it would be at the end of the year for Elks fans. Is that a good look for the CFL? It's a good look in the sense to the fan bases everywhere across Canada here that your team's never out of it. It's a good look for them. And if you saw what happened after the Elks beat uh, beat Ottawa on Sunday, they let fans on the field. And it was like they won the friggin' Grey Cup. Like, they they were just... the Well, the weight lifted off the shoulders, finally winning at home after 22 straight losses. They lost a lot of fans because of that. Um, that was a big thing. And now, all of a sudden, two wins. Hey... Look how bad Calgary is. We can go into Calgary and beat them. Hey, then we got Calgary again. We can beat them again. That hope, whether it's false hope or not, but that hope is good for the league overall because if your team's still in it when you're two and nine, that's, I mean, yeah, it kind of looks ridiculous. Don't get me wrong, but that's a good thing for the league. It's good for current fans, but is it, it, is it good for the fans that they want to attract to the league? Yes, because they might come to a game at the end of the year. If, yeah, if you look, if you look at it, and your team is in, in the hunt, no matter where they start. Don't, don't get me wrong; if it's game eighteen and they're ten games out, it's going to suck. But if your team can win at any time. And it doesn't matter if they're playing the best team in the league or their local rival. It is good that your team is competitive and can make the playoffs. And will this please stop the BC Lions metaphor? 2011. Story? I am so tired of hearing that. And I'll probably be tired about hearing about the Elks of 2023 as well at some point down the line. But it's very good that any team can beat any team this year because it's been a weird year, but in a good way. Yeah. I'm just we, glad uh, we're not seeing Calgary beat up on everybody for how many straight games. I, I'm just <laughs> glad that's over. Um, in our, I alluded to our interview with Randy Ambrosi. Make sure you check that out. Um, but we talked about the parody in this league and, and that being good. And we're seeing every game it seems to be, for the most part, exciting. And it comes down to the last few minutes. Maybe not to the point where, you know, each team gets three possessions, like we hear about ad nauseum on TSN all the time. Um, But we're seeing games come down to the end. And ultimately, that's what we want. And if we see a three-win team beating a a seven-win team, that's a good thing. Um, Just, I I just don't see how that's a bad thing at all. It's, It's good for marketing. If it'll, get somebody to buy a ticket at the end of the year, because if it's a win and in game, then great. Then that's potentially a new fan uh, created in the CFL. And that's, that's to me, that's never a bad thing. Um, okay. <laughs> this is not CFL, 
but it's Canadian football related. And I saw this on the weekend and this best finish to made, a game ever made me smile so much. You guys know I'm not a big fan of the Rouge. Oddball Canadian rules for the win. Oddball Canadian rules. I want the Rouge tweaked. I'm okay with it if it's being conceded, but if the ball just goes through the end zone, I don't like it. I don't like the automatic point given. Did you guys see the last 43 seconds of the Acadia versus Mount Allison U-Sports game? Oh, everyone saw that. If anyone follows Sicko's Committee football, that is. I love that account, and they have jumped full bore into Canadian football and just the weirdness of it. Yeah. That, I never did. I think a United States media account would be talking about a U sports end of a game because it was wild. All right. So let me, let me, let me set the scene here for those that haven't seen it. There's 43 seconds left in this game. It's 13 to 12 for Mount Allison. Acadia Remember. goes to kick. Acadia goes to kick a uh, potentially game winning field goal, at least to take the lead here. Kick goes up, lots of distance, bing, off the post. No points. So it's still 13-12 Mount Allison. Acadia gets a two and out. Now there's two, or sorry, now there's 10 seconds left. Still 13-12 Mount Allison. Mount Allison punts from their own 10-yard line. Acadia gets the ball, punts it back from their own 50. The ball bounces over everyone's head, goes into the end zone. So what happens? Mount Allison has to kick it out, right? They punt it out to about their own 23-yard line. Ball gets fumbled around. Mount Allison, who is leading the game, recovers the ball. They start celebrating. They think they win the game. Oddball Canadian rules show up. No yards against Mount Allison. Therefore, possession goes to Acadia with no second, with no time left on the clock. It's still 13-12. You can't end the game on a penalty. Acadia kicks a 15-yard field goal to win the game, 15 to 13, in one of the greatest things I've ever seen in my life. This was just perfect Canadiana, um, and I'm just glad it didn't happen to my team because that would have been just too much. <laughs> my, my only regret is I didn't put that to the Benny Hill music <laughs> because that finished, especially that last 10 seconds, deserved it. Just Canadian football and it, its intricacies on perfect display. Love every loved every minute of it. Don't tell me we need to get rid of the rouge. That made for an exciting game because at some point that was just going to be a kneel down for like two minutes if it was a American rules. It's I am so Canadian rules are so much fun. Well, and you've alluded to the interview with with Randy. The Canadian game is fun, fast, and exciting. And that was a perfect example of of what we have learned to love about this game. And we've all been kind of dying to see that kick-out play happen. And it's one of those you see situations where you're watching and it could happen. It might happen and it never does. But when it does, it is glorious. And I want more of it. I want every game to be decided by a kick-out. Every one of them. It's fun. You never know what's going to happen. Give me more of it. I mean, we've seen uh, the kickouts try, but it never goes. Seems to go back and forth uh, like this. What was the last time that happened? The CFL, um, Toronto, Montreal, back in like 2010 or 2011, something like that. Like it's been it's a, long, been a time long time since we've seen that, and that uh, ended up being a touchdown for 
was it Toronto? And and they ended up winning the game. I, f- I forget what it was. We could have still won this year, but he just let it go through into the end zone, and that was just good for us. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, that was just fantastic stuff. And of course, from U Sports, so go out there, go support U Sports, the Rams, the Huskies. Uh, get out there, go see them play. Um, see because the they're CGFL, we'll go see CGFL team too. Absolutely, because uh, both the uh, the Thunder and the Hilltops are three and zero going into the bye week because they don't play on Labor Day weekend, but then they, they play each other Banjo Bowl weekend, right? That is going to be such a good game. Both three and zero rivalry, uh, both undefeated. Mosaic Stadium, I cannot wait. Yeah, so if you can't make it out to the Banjo Bowl, make sure you're going to that because. When those two teams get together, we see some fantastic games, especially over the last few years. Uh, what Sarge and the Hilltops have done there for decades has been incredible. What uh, Scott McCauley and the Thunder have done, especially over the last uh, you know, five, six years, turning into the powerhouse that they are now, it's been fantastic. So support your, your local minor football, uh, junior football, and youth uh, sports as well too. So get out there and, and go see some games and who knows Piffles podcast might be able to help you get into those free of charge. So um, keep watching us on uh, Facebook and X and uh, keep growing the game of uh, Canadian football. Okay. Let's get to the, it's my favorite second favorite week of the year. My favorite week of the year is great cup week. I think we, everybody can agree on that. Anybody who's gone and traveled for great cups and know the the Grey Cup family from around the league that they see every year. That's the best week of the year. Labor Day has got to be my second favorite one because just the rivalries, everything seems to mean so much more, even though they're worth the same amount in the standings as week one. Um, But Riders versus Bombers on Labor Day is just something else. Or sorry, almost Labor Day. Labor Day Eve. Um, Sorry, Josh and Hamilton will absolutely hate it when we call it the Labor Day Classic, because it's not actually on Labor Day. Um, But the Riders versus Bombers, Sunday at 5. This is the game where you can throw records out the window. Records don't mean anything in the Labor Day Classic. Case in point, 2015, the Riders were 0-9 and beat the crap out of the Bombers uh, that year. I mean, the Bombers were 3-6 and at the time or something like that, so it's not like they were any good. but, my my my, fa- my favorite uh, bomber riders Labor Day. Uh, I can't remember what year it was. The bombers were seven and two. The riders were two and seven. The bombers put up billboards all across Regina, going, "We love our neighbors to the west, but they're a little backwards." And the riders fed them their lunch. Records do not matter at Labor Day. Records records don't matter. Quality of players don't matter. Where teams are does not matter. We've seen Rocky Butler lead this team to to a win on Labor Day. You all you know is Labor Day is going to be an exciting football game every year. But yeah. two thousand seven, yeah, two thousand seven with Kerry Joseph, twenty nineteen oh. Brett Lothar kicking the uh, game winning field goal, running into uh, the end zone and celebrating in Pill Country. There, um, like it's just there's always there's always somebody. Somebody who comes out of nowhere to become a hero. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing who that's going to be this year. Um, it'd be nice if it was a 2012 type game where it's 52 nothing riders. I'm not hanging my hat on I that love one, that though. Game. I love that game. 
I mean, not great to watch on TV if you're not a Riders fan. Um, but that was just fantastic being at Taylor Field for that one. Um, That's the only Labor Day game I've missed in the last 20 years. Missed this one. <laughs> I, I should for the good of the team. I'll buy your tickets for me, Steve. Um, <laughs> but there are uh, some really good matchups in this one that I'm lo- really looking forward to. I'm um, going to start with the Riders on defense, and that's where, to me, a lot of these matchups are. Um, Brady Oliveira has been running just wild for the Lions this year. He's had some absolutely huge games. And what did I say, Lions? Yeah. He's that good. He's running well. He's that good. He's winning (laughs) games for everybody. (laughs) Yep, that's right. Um, For the Bombers, uh, I want to see how the Riders are going to slow him down. So I would like to see a guy that we talked about last week as kind of being an under-the-radar guy but still having a fantastic year, Larry Dean. I'm looking forward to seeing how Larry Dean matches up with Brady Oliveira uh, to keep the Bombers running back at bay. I, I think the biggest problem going up against the the Bombers offense is that there's they're very much two-dimensional. You look at teams that we've we've watched in the past, you either have to contain the run or you have to contain the quarterback. There's no both situations. That's not the case against Winnipeg. Their their offense as a whole is dynamic. And to me, Brady Oliveira is the drink or the straw that stirs the spoon that stirs the drink. I got there eventually. It's what you get when you listen to a rinky dink podcast. You'll be fine. But honestly, it's contain him and you stand a much better chance of succeeding. He is the the difference maker in that offense. When he's on, he's hard to stop. And you need guys like Moncrief, like Larry Dean, to have games of their lives if you want to beat this offense. And while I agree with you, because I have Oliviera in my CFL Fantasy League, and he's doing very, very well. Problem is, though, twice I've been wrong. Not wrong. Not wrong. (laughs) Not wrong. Right. Sorry. I've learned my way to talk talk around this all, all the time. But like when you have Olivier though, but you got to worry about Wolotarski. You've got to worry about Shen. Like they've got some really good receivers, a thousand yard hopeful uh, Nick Dembski's out there as well. Like they're they've got good receivers, so your defense can't be one too one dimensional either. Yes, stopping Olivier is great, but your DBs also got to be on point. And that's the the next matchup that I have here is the Riders secondary against Kenny Lawler, Dalton Schoen, Nick Dembski. Like, this is a very good passing offense. They have some absolute studs. Those three guys are excellent. Um, what worries me is seeing C.J. Rivas and Amari Henderson miss the second half of the game against the Lions. Um, and that's when the Lions really started to hit a lot of big plays and came back against the Riders a couple weeks ago. Hopefully, Henderson and, and Rebus, that would, keeping them out was just precautionary, knowing that they had the bye week uh, to get them ready for the the Labor Day game here. Um, if both those guys are in, I'm not too terribly worried, and it should be a great matchup between the secondary and the, the Bombers receivers. If one of or both those guys have to miss the game, then I'm a little bit worried. 
about having to throw out Nelson Lacombo and all of a sudden he's up against Kenny Lawler, Dalton Schoen, and these guys just absolutely roast the Riders secondary and pick apart the zone defense that the Riders have been known to play this year. So depending on, on who's in there, kind of sways me on, on where this goes, but that secondary versus the rider against the Bombers receivers, is going to be a huge matchup. My, my, the matchup that scares me is Nick Dembski coming from the slot, probably getting paired up against Micah Tights. That, that has me shook because I like Micah. Dembski is going to have a one hell of a game. If that matchup shows up a lot this week. I, I have a different concerning point, and it's weird for me to say it, but my concern is uh, Nick Marshall. We've seen time and time again, and we saw it against BC. He is prone to the big play, and this Winnipeg offense thrives off of big play uh, success. He can't be his usual bend and usually break, or bend and occasionally break, type defensive back he needs to be smarter than he's been because you can't make those mistakes against Winnipeg Caleros is not going to miss if you could leave a guy open that's that's my concern is Nick Nick Marshall almost against himself now where I like the Riders chances on defense uh is kind of a two-pronged thing one is Zach Caleros as good as he's looked in the second half um of games this year um He's thrown four pick sixes in his last five games. He was god awful that first half of the Montreal game, and that was against, the worst I've seen him play in a long time. And he was awful against Edmonton before he got hurt. So that's two straight games where he just came out flat and throwing pick sixes galore, uh, especially for a guy like that who usually doesn't throw them. The fact that he's thrown four in the last five games is just astounding to me. So. I mean, he, the Bombers have shown incredible resiliency and able to bounce back after that and then score themselves. But if there's anywhere where they can be taken advantage of, the Riders kind of have a, you know, with Nick Marshall, kind of a ball-hawking secondary there. Um, Winnipeg's O-line has looked shaky for a decent portion of this season. They've looked beatable. They're still a good O-line, but they're not what they used to be. They're very beatable. And the last couple of games, the Riders' D-line has been getting pressure and, what, five sacks in each of the last couple of games that they've played? They're they're getting there. They're getting home. And if Lanier can get some pressure coming off the edge against Zach Laros and force a couple throws, who knows? Maybe there's a, a pick six again in this game for the Riders. So the D-line, if they can get any kind of pressure on Claros, to me, that's where the Riders can win this game on defense. 100%. Now, flipping over to the offensive side of the ball, um, I want to see more of what I saw last week. And that's Jake Dolagala being able to just throw it and the offensive coaches to trust him to throw it. When we've seen Mason Fine and Jake Dolagala being conservative with the play call, you're going to get very very average results which is what we've seen when you've seen them kind of let loose they've looked pretty good 
So if Kelly Jeffrey and Craig Dickinson and the rest of the coaching staff let them just go out there and play and don't change anything or try to restrict a playbook and just go out there and trust their guys to go out there and make plays, these guys want to throw the ball around. Quarterbacks want to throw the ball. Let them. They didn't get to the pros by not throwing the ball. Well, maybe Chris Dribbler did, but um, <laughs> I want to see that. I want to see that continue. It was Dolagala was throwing out dimes to uh, Emilis last game against BC. I want to see more of that. So let Jake Dolagala cook. I hate that phrase so much. And I know you are a Broncos fan, but can we let the let blank cook die? It is uh, no. so bad. I'm going to say I, that if I've learned from now on. If I've learned anything from the CFL family, never, ever, ever tell them something that you don't like. You will never hear the end of it. So I'm going to make sure and highlight this section of the show and tweet it out so they all know it. You forget, I can edit it out if I wanted to. <laughs> I have that much power. Do you have that much Alex time? Alex and I still saw it. We still I know. do not have that much time. Touche, I do not have that much time. <laughs> but, no, like, yeah. Open up the playbook. It, it Dolagala looked better than fine because fine. It, it legit looked like it was the uh, remember the Titans eight plays like Nova Kane. It will eventually work. It wasn't working. Like Dolagala looked like he had the full playbook. They tried some stuff down the field. Way better. I like that. Test the Bombers defense. Move the ball as best you can. Like, let's see a little bit of everything. Because Winnipeg's got a decent defense, especially with their defensive line. So get Jake some time to throw the ball. The the key in this one to me is making sure that you incorporate more of Moro into the game. Make them respect the run so that you can take those big shots down the field. We saw last game, Sam Emelis is a playmaker. Every time it's a 50-50 ball, he even said there, there's no 50-50 ball. He's going to get it. We've, we know that KSB is a playmaker. This, this offense is filled with guys who want to make plays for whoever is throwing the ball. Let them try. Take chances. This is, your, this is one of those games you're going to come into it as an underdog. You have nothing to lose. Make some of those plays, especially early on in the first quarter. Get that crowd into the game, and you will, you will set yourself up for for four quarters of success. But you let that crowd get out of it early and you're in for trouble. Let anyone do whatever they want. Just don't let them cook. And get that pocket moving around. And and get the pocket moving around. Get Jake moving around a little bit. Not just standing there in the back of the pocket. Have him roll out. Not saying he has to be a running guy, but just design plays that way to, you know, to offset Willie Jefferson coming at you or whatever it is. So just be creative. And don't get stopped, stuck in your, you know, three-step drops or five-step drops. And just, I mean, Steve, you said it. They're going to be underdogs. They're, what, seven-and-a-half-point underdogs, something like that, to start. Um, this is a game everyone's expecting you to lose. So this is a game to absolutely try it out and, and let it all hang out. So um, with that, we'll talk about the spreads. We'll talk about our games this week. Um, the first one of the week, 
And I'm still upset with the schedule for this. They went back to the old uh, pre-Red Blacks schedule with BC at Montreal. I'd still like to see this be Ottawa at Montreal or vice versa. Uh, the first game just to have that rivalry grow a little bit. Um, but nonetheless, um, this there's line has weekly, moved. Yeah, there, there's your weekly rant about CFL scheduling. Um, BC at Montreal, and you say it's moved. I'm going to guess that it's right now BC minus one and a half. I'm going to go BC minus three and a half. Oh, well, I don't have my ding. Steve got it right. It's minus three and a half, started at minus four and a half. Not wrong again. He Not actually wrong. said right. He said I right. did about about this about points. It's 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 a guessing game. Even monkeys. I'm gonna numbers. I'm gonna get. Uh, I'm gonna cut that part of the episode. That's my new screen. My new ringtone. Steve was right. Yeah, th- that'll be the part that Greg goes in and edits out. Uh, <laughs> I will. Uh, I'll throw in a fire truck noise or something. <laughs> um, that's Edmonton shtick. Um, I don't know who who to take in this one. I don't think BC is going to come out looking as bad as they did against Hamilton. There's no possible way they can. They looked awful. But that cross-country trip is never friendly. I like just, Montreal with the points. I Even three and a half. I, I think it might be a last-second field goal to win if BC wins. If BC wins. But Fajardo looked so bad last week against the Bombers. He was awful. Ah. <sighs> I'll I'll take BC, yeah, and and the points. BC is coming into this game pissed off. They're coming on the back of a two-game losing streak to two teams. Everybody thought they should walk all over. If they lose another one, they're they're in trouble, both in the standings and, you know, just in the locker room. I don't see them losing three straight. That's too good of a football team. Give me give me BC and the points. You know, Jeff Hamilton of the Winnipeg Free Press had a really good uh, point talking with Farhan Lalji on X um, about the uh, about the Lions and how there's while they have a good culture there right now, it's not where they want it to be in the sense that you had Alexander Hollins throwing a temper tantrum on the sideline last week against Hamilton during their loss. And I think Rick Campbell's a very good leader. I think Vernon Adams Jr., is a very good leader. He says all the right things. After they lost that game, he said he hates losing more than he likes winning. And to me, that's that's the makings of a very good leader, a very good football player. It's up to them to kind of reel in a player on the sideline. So if there's one thing about the BC Lions, and, and it's not necessarily a bad thing, but they're emotional. Um, but if they can rein that in and use that to their advantage, that's definitely a good thing. But I've, I've heard it about teams before. You have to learn how to lose before you learn how to win. And that might be the case here for the BC Lions now that they're actually facing a little bit of adversity uh, this season. Uh, our game, Winnipeg at Saskatchewan. I think I saw also, it. I mentioned uh, it started, I think, at 7.5 as the Bombers as the favorite. I will say it's probably 6.5 now. Hmm. I'm gonna price is right you here, and I think it's six and a half and one five dollar and a half. Bob. One dollar, <laughs> Bob. Uh, no, actually, it reversed. It went started at six and a half. It's now seven and a half. Money is coming in on Winnipeg. They do realize it's Labor Day, right? 
Yeah, no. Apparently, everyone in Winnipeg is mortgaging their house or buying 13 uh, case beer. Uh, I'm taking the Riders with the points. I got to. I, I think this game is going to be tight. Oh, yeah. Riders to win outright. It's Labor Day. I don't care that the Bombers have won the last two in this in this matchup. Who's the common denominator? Who's the quarterback in those ones? Um, so... Give me the Shots, give me the riders to win straight fired. up. <laughs> I, he's that was a, okay, a shot at Cody Fajardo for not winning those games. He's won two games in his career against Winnipeg. I think um, he's what two well, and eight, until, two and nine against them until last until last year. He the only teams he lost to were Calgary and Winnipeg, and then he lost to everybody after that. But he him against Winnipeg was awful. He was bad. Um, yeah, they won in 2019. That was against Chris Trevler. So take that for what it's worth. Um, but give me, give me the riders to win outright. Absolutely. Yeah. Riders and the, you're going to give me extra eight points almost. Yeah. Riders outright. Uh, game that has all of a sudden taken on a lot of meaning in the East, uh, with, uh, Hamilton's win last week. Has not moved. Hamilton home to Toronto in the battle of the QEW. Has not moved. Has not moved. Toronto by eight and a half. Yeah, I was going to say eight and a half. So I'll go seven and a half. For Alex. Ha. With your gut, Steve. Should have went with your gut. Right? I don't like to choose the same number. That just looks looks like I'm copying his homework. Should have been this one. Apparently. Something, something, something. Broken clock. Um, I, I, I don't think I can't take. I like Hamilton as a team right now. They look like they finally got everything, the pieces in the right order. Toronto is just. I think Toronto's the best team in the league right now, and I don't think they're that good, which is the worst part. I, they are in this parody league that we're talking about. They are the best. I don't know if I can take them with eight and a half, eight and a half points. That's a lot of points. Yeah, I'm taking the, the points. <laughs> I'm taking Toronto and all the points. That's. I think they walk away with this one. I think Hamilton. I don't think they come out like they did last week. I think that was a one-off. They're still a bad football team. It was nice of Hamilton to finally involve James Butler, even though he claimed it wasn't a revenge game against the BC Lions, it was a revenge game against the BC Lions. Um, it's not, it is. Yes. Um, I don't think Toronto's going to fall victim to that. Uh, yeah, I'll take Toronto with the points. Okay, yes, and I'll take the points as well. Finally, Edmonton at Calgary. Um, Steve, I know, only moved you, half a point. I know who you're picking in this one because you have them winning four straight. Um, I will say I think Calgary is favored by one and a half. I think Calgary is favored by three and a half. A full handful. What? In fairness, the last two weeks, Toronto or Calgary has played well against Toronto and Winnipeg, while Edmonton beat Hamilton and Ottawa. Calgary didn't score also, a touchdown against Winnipeg. They kicked field goals. And here's, for whatever for so, whatever Tor- Toronto's secondary 
as good as Toronto is and their record is, their defense is a lot of fun to watch because one, they get a lot of pressure. They make some big plays. Two, they get beat deep very, very badly a lot. So they're a big time boomer bust. And I think that's how Calgary found it was they were able to hit a couple deep plays. And for whatever reason, Jake Mayer against Toronto seems to be the one team he plays good against. For, for the record, it started five and a half. It's gone down to five. So the money's coming in on Edmonton slowly. But yeah, Calgary is up by five points. Yeah, give me give me Edmonton straight up, let alone with those points. I'm taking Edmonton with the points. I'll take Edmonton to cover but not win this one. I'd love to see Edmonton win this one because John Hodge, three down nation, pointed out that if Edmonton wins this game, they're ahead of Calgary in the standings. And that makes my heart oh. just so full. If oh. Calgary drops down to last place, as bad as Edmonton I, has been, I, the stats being worse, I, it's just better. I, I don't I don't think you guys will understand what that will do to me. I'm a little worried. We've waited since Kevin Federick <laughs> for this team to be bad again. And I've been kind of, we've been alluding to it. I've never officially said it other than just saying Jake Mayer isn't the guy in Calgary, but this is a bad team. And it feels so good to see them lose and be three and eight. That makes my heart happy. I don't like the fact that it's pushing fans away, um, but they've had the New England Patriots type success for 20 years and it's about time it stops. And Leave my team out of this. Leave my team out of this. I'm suffering right now. I do not even feel like you, Pat Peters fan. Poor baby. The, the, the funny part, though, is that I've learned to respect the Patriots and Tom Brady for watching greatness. Meanwhile, I Did couldn't stand the Calgary Stampeders. <laughs> well, you want to look at Trific, the rest you, of the show. You want you, you want to look at Trific Tom again? Uh, he's much more handsome looking than at you. Yeah. Well, he, he, dude's a handsome man. Dude's a handsome man. I'm not going to deny that. Uh, but the fall is finally here. We've been talking about it for, for years. They still find a way to get in the playoffs at the very least third place, but they're always constantly there. The fall is finally here for the Calgary Stampeders, and it's glorious. It may only last one year, but I'm going to soak this in, guys. Take it. Take it. And legally drive that have never seen a sub 500 record in their lifetime. It is time. Long may their suffering continue. I hope the fans stick by them for these, these difficult times. You've had a 20 year run of success. Back your team through the tough times. Hopefully there'll be a while. And with that, we close the book on another episode of the Piffles Podcast, hoping that Calgary loses. That seems to be a common theme over the years with the Piffles Podcast. <laughs> why? I wonder why. Anyone know why? Hmm. We should, look, hmm. we should yeah. look into that. But Piffles Podcast, of course, brought to you by our great friends at Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. Like Steve, go out and get a pumpkin pie blizzard. Uh, special thanks as well to Kathy Festion of Royal LePage Regina Realty and Churchill Brewing Company for their support making this show possible. 
Uh, thanks to everybody watching on YouTube, Sastel Max, listening on your favorite podcast platform. Be sure to check out our interview this week with CFL Commissioner Randy Ambrosi. Um, he gave you kind of the standard answers you'd think from him, but there was some really good stuff about Genius Sports and how the league is not necessarily happy with where things are right now. I think you'll want to want to tune into that. This is goes behind you. I hate to be that guy, but smash that subscribe button on YouTube, on your podcast, so you don't miss the stuff. We're going to be hopefully dropping more second episodes as we can. So, All right. Well, everybody enjoy Labor Day weekend because, like I said, it's my second favorite weekend of the CFL year. And uh, everybody enjoy. This is Tyler Gilbert, Ghost Behind Your Mind.